Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Welcome to another week of Spear Katana. I'm one of your hosts, the old man. I'm Ruby. I'm Rosella. I'm Jadefire. And I'm Big Mama. And together we are a family venturing through the Bible, sharpening our swords uh, so that we are more understanding and grow closer to God and can battle the lies that float around out in the world. Let's see, I think this week we've definitely started to drift apart a little bit uh, as far as where we are in our chapters and stuff. I think I, mine starts somewhere in 17, so I'm probably not starting us this week. Mine starts in 16. Okay. Um, what? Where Where is your first uh, note, Rosella? Mm. What chapter and section and whatever? Mine's in chapter 17. And where are you at, Jadefire? Uh, starting at 17, 1 through 13. Alright, chapter 17. Alright, so that means, uh, Ruby, you are starting off this show. Me? The one who used to end them. My heading is uh, Peter's Revelation of Christ. It's verses 13 to 20. Okay, cool. Um, my question is, what does God want your life to look like? To always be listening for him. Alright. And how do you listen for him? Um, to not be so caught up in what I'm doing or to forget to even, like, listen to see if he kind of replies to my prayers or whatever, or to be watching for him, and to uh, to be reading the Bible. Alright, so what's your next section? Um, my next one is Jesus prophesies his death and resurrection. Hmm. This is my last section in chapter 16. What does God want my life to look like? It comes from pretty much verses 22 and 23. Um... To be welcoming of his ways and not to reject them like Peter did when he was filled with Satan. Mm. Like that funny meme get behind I would Satan. I wouldn't say he was necessarily filled with Satan, but he was definitely speaking like lies, lies which are from Satan. He was believing lies. It can be hard to believe that being killed and suffering are gifts from God, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, whenever you suffer anything, sometimes it's hard to understand that there's actually an opportunity for good in it. And so then we just resent things because it's like, well, this keeps happening and they're so mean to me and those types of things. But it's like, yeah, and you can learn lessons from it and learn how to be more loving and kind and to overlook offenses. and <laughs> mm-hmm. They sanctify us. And they make you more like God because God is always suffering. He is the long-suffering God. That's and, cool. And I can definitely recognize how that's true because he, we are his children, right? Like humanity is... I know there's different distinctions of who his children are because, you know, those that are saved are his children, those aren't, or will be, you know. Mm -hmm. But before that time comes, we are all his children. He created us. He loves us. He sacrificed his son for us. And yet, he watches us make mistakes and sin purposefully all the time. And I'm sure that's super hard because as a parent, I see that even with my own children when you make foolish choices or whatever, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. 
So, and I don't suffer it as well as God does, I'm sure. <laughs> because God watches everybody in the world instead of just one family. And and that mm-hmm. doesn't and he doesn't fall into sin in his frustration over it or anything like that. <laughs> he doesn't take away free will. Right. He doesn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he does not steal our free will and just make us do things. He doesn't turn us into puppets or robots. All right. Well, very good. So moving on to chapter seventeen. Yep. All right, Ruby. You want to start us off on chapter seventeen as well? Uh, sure. It's Jesus's glorious transfiguration. Um, verses 1 through 11. Um, what did I learn about God? That he uh, knows better and is all-seeing. Yeah, 11 and 12. Oh, because that. they didn't recognize him, but Jesus did. But is Jesus that what you're saying? knew what was going on. And he... God. So we're not always aware of the workings of God. Yeah. Because that's where my note was, too. I just was confused by your notes. All right. Uh, Jadefire, what do you got for the Transfiguration, or whatever it's called for you? The Transfiguration. Okay. Um, 17, 1 through 13. Uh, my question is from, uh, verse 2, and, uh, what can you learn about God? And then my answer is that he is so clean, his clothes are, will, like, shine, because he's so pure. And everything. Is it because he uses Tide? <laughs> um, what do you mean by clean, then? Like, just, um, he's yes. so pure that dirt is nothing. Um, so he's just really good at keeping himself tidy? <sighs> no, that's not what I was saying. He's never sinned? Yes, I'm saying that he's so clean, pure, that his, like, everything he touches is pure. Pure, yeah. I think you're misunderstanding what actually is taking place here, because I don't think his clothes stayed all white. I don't think his face continued to shine like the sun. This was just showing his godness, right? His holiness. And that he is pure and clean, but it doesn't change it. It didn't actually change his clothes, because once this was all done, he probably looked more like he had been looking. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was more just a showing of the inside, basically, who he truly was. Yeah. That's what I understood Jade Fire to be saying, is that he is so pure. Gotcha. That to represent that, it is just spotless. I didn't understand that from what he was saying. So then we will move on to Jesus heals a demon possessed boy. Jesus heals a boy with a demon. Unbelief hinders healing. Jesus heals a boy with a demon. We're okay. both in ESV, so the power of Jesus over a demon. Mm. All right, Rosella, why don't you start us off this time? Okay, even if you have faith. Pretty much smaller than a mustard seed. They're pretty small from what I've heard. And he'll still heal you if you have faith. Like, no size of faith can stop Jesus from healing. Sure. So, if you have faith in what? God. Because that's the important part. If you have faith in God smaller than a mustard seed, then he'll heal you. But if you have faith in whatever, that is not... Yeah. Um... So, like, say you had faith in an idol. Mm-hmm. Then it's not true faith. It is true. You can have true faith in an idol. You can truly believe that idol will do something. It just still won't do the thing because it's just an idol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The only... It really does matter what you have faith in. That is the important part. If you have faith in God, even smaller than a mustard seed, Jesus will heal you from it. Sin. He will definitely heal you from sin. You are correct. I think that's a good clarification. 
He will not necessarily heal you of an illness or something like that. Yeah. I mean, or at least not in the way you expect to be healed, because after you pass away and do get to eventually spend eternity, you have been healed from that. You no longer have to deal with it. Um, Jadefire, what do you have for this section? Uh, Jesus heals a boy with a demon. Um, my question is, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to have faith in him, even if it's as small as a mustard seed. My note comes from the same section as uh, Jadefire's and Rosella's, uh, where he's talking about the faith as small as a mustard seed. It seems to be the point of his message here. But I, And I, what I wrote is that we... What we have faith in is very important, but also he is saying that they have faith less than a mustard seed, because <laughs> he says even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, so it seems to be implying that they have even less faith than that. I thought it, it was implying that you needed more faith to be able to cast out demons, but you just needed faith the size of a mustard seed, basically, and essentially to be saved. You need faith as small as a mustard seed to move mountains. Exactly. So I think that covers just about anything. As long as you have faith in the correct thing. And he's basically saying they're not having faith in the correct thing. They don't have any faith, almost, in the right thing. Otherwise, they would have been able to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. So I just thought that was interesting, because they're the ones that he's been teaching. They're his disciples and all that stuff. It's like, you guys aren't, you're not quite getting it. <laughs> and it's that, and it's, it's not like they didn't have faith. I'm sure that at times they do. But it's not consistent. It's not constant, right? Mm -hmm. And we can all fall into that. We kind of have ebbs and flows sometimes. We're just like, oh yeah, no, I totally... Bl and then you start having doubts. Or you start putting your faith into other things. Mm -hmm. So, that was my note. Big Mama? I think we talked about this when we were talking about little faith before, but he does great miracles for people with little faith, but he doesn't allow them to do great miracles when they only have little faith. And so, it's kind of the maturity of being able to pour out into others like it just takes a little faith to be able to reach out to christ and have him cleanse your life but before you can start pouring into others you need to increase your faith was kind of what we came to. oh yeah i do remember that conversation that is good um my i also have a footnote that says that some manuscripts include verse 21 which i doesn't sound like anyone hears does um, but verse 21 says, however, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Oh, because it's also in another gospel, right? Mark? My thing has Maybe. verse 21. Yeah, my, my note here says, like I have a note 421, that it says it includes here words similar to Mark 929. Because I, I, I do read that in my Bible when I'm reading normally. but um, Yeah, I don't have 21. I was like, wait a minute. Where's 21? I'm looking... Where's 21? But obviously not in my Matthew passages when I read those. So I think it's interesting that a certain demon can only come out by prayer and fasting. And um, fasting is not really something that's practiced regularly. True. But it's kind of cool that um, he says that, but he cast out the demon because he's just powerful. Well, he might have been fasting, too. We don't know. It does say the Son of Man came eating and drinking while John the Baptist came fasting, but... But Son of Man fasted just... for 40 days in the wilderness. Yeah, he still was, fasted. Yeah, he still did fast. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe he was doing all his fasting for the time all at once. It's and that counts for... kind of cryptic. <laughs> it is a little cryptic, I agree. Because there's many times he says, you have little faith, and then he does something miraculous for them. But this time he's like, well, because of your little faith, you couldn't do this. True. Uh... Yeah, and it's possible because, well, let's see. Um, 
Oh, yeah, he says little, so little faith. Because um, then there's, like, when he goes back to his hometown, too, it's, like, because of your lack of faith. Yeah, they just lacked faith. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't say little faith. Yeah, so, and so not very many miracles were done there. So that's interesting as well. Yeah, just back in 16, one chapter back, he says, you have little faith, why are you discussing why you, that you don't have bread? And that's when he fed a bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> for the second time, I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Ruby, what's your note here? What did I learn about God slash Jesus? Um, that he has all faith, like he has the most faith, he can do anything. Like we were just talking about if he says you have little faith, he's got all faith so he can still do it. Like if he mentions how you have faith, little faith, he's like, you can just be like, so you can do it. Okay. Because okay. obviously they do have faith, they just have little faith, but apparently it's littler than mustard seed? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Alright, so my next section's pretty small. It's Jesus predicts his death a second time, and it's two verses. Jesus prophesies of his death and resurrection. 22 to 23. Yeah, same here. Longest ever. Longest chunk ever. Is that same for you, Rosella? What's it? Well, my thing is, like, you made it all one section. Oh, okay. My note here comes from, or I highlighted the second verse at least. Uh, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised again. And the disciples were filled with grief. The disciples were filled with grief, whereas Jesus seemed to simply state a fact. Like, to him it was just, like, this is what's going to happen. Well, they're, like, filled with this dread and grief and, like, sadness. And so it just had me thinking, like, or wondering, what were they thinking? Did they understand he was talking about himself? Did they not recognize the fact that he would be coming back? Because he does bring up that he'll be raised up when he said all this. Like, he didn't say just, I will die. It's like, he will die, and he will be raised again. And so I think we, as as humans and people and um, everything, can get too focused on the negatives and miss the hope. Like they seem to be doing. Yeah. Because if we see that, then there's no reason to be grieving. It's like, yeah, he will die. Because Jesus doesn't seem to be up, all torn up about it. He's like, yep, yeah, he'll die, and he'll come back. That's just like, yeah. I'll be leaving to, you know, another state for a few years, or a few years, a few days, <laughs> and I'll come back. A few years. Or, like, even when I have to go to work. I have to go work for the next three days. And I still come back in the evening, sure, but then I'll have some days off, and then you're all excited about it. It's like, yeah, it's a little disappointing, but then you know there's good things to come afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that means it's me. Um, who am I because of what God has done? Saved. It doesn't really say it in my couple verses here. But um, I just know from reading the rest of the Gospels and all about Jesus' death and resurrection that his death is kind of sad, but it's also so much better for us in the end. Yeah, everything's going to be all awesome in the end. All awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. All right, so let's jump over to Jade Fire, since Rosella has a couple sections in hers. All right, Jesus or tells his death. What can you learn about God? That he likes to prepare us. Hmm. That's just throughout the entire chunk. No, that's actually a really good point. He does prepare us. He gives us the information ahead of time. A lot of times. Not always everything, but like... That's why I said he likes to prepare us. Like, it might not even go into all the details, but he's like, here's the overarching plan here. So, you're, you're ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, I like that. Thank you. Rosella. So, Jesus predicts his death a second time, and then you have the next section as well. Yeah, that's also in the 
which is called, what are your sections called? Okay, so it's Jesus heals a boy with a demon, and then Jesus again foretells death, resurrection, and then the temple tax. Oh, do you have any more notes then? or Because the, the healing of the boy was also part of it? Yeah, that okay. was all of them. So do you have any more notes then for that whole section? Oh, okay, cool. Then we will move on to the temple tax, as it might is called. The temple taxification. Just kidding. It's just, it's temple the tax. miracle of a coin in a fish's mouth. Paying the temple tax. All right. Do you have any notes for the temple tax? I do not. Okay. Let us start with Ruby. What did I learn about God slash Jesus? That he tries not to offend anyone to a certain degree. Like, he still paid the Pharisees the tax. Um, when technically he could have just not. But he still paid them their tax and sent them on their way. Yep. Yeah, that's my highlight-ish area as well. But I'll get into that after Jadefire. The temple tax. Oh, what does God want your life to look like? Uh, to help others. Because, um... That's mainly towards, like, that's 27. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. When you open its mouth, you f- will find a shekel. Take that shekel and give it to them for me and for yourself. Like, he w- asks them to pay for him and them. Okay. He asked them to help him out. Yeah, so- he helped them. <laughs> Yeah, so what I wrote is that, because he mentions that um, they're exempt. They shouldn't ha- they, they don't have to pay it, right? They're exempt from that tax. Um, but Jesus still chooses that they should not offend and therefore will pay it. And so once again, we see Jesus not pushing his own power and authority on others. He has ultimate power, an ultimate authority, and yet he restrains it and does not utilize it and offend people with it. Granted, some people still get offended by him, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> he does he does what's reasonable to not be offensive, as long as it doesn't infringe on the gospel. Right, See, which is like very what important. I wrote, like, he tries not to offend people to a certain degree. Because if you, if you do everything you can to not offend people, then you fall into the whole people-pleasing thing, which we're not supposed to be, right? Nope. I think that's one of your verses, even, that you've memorized. Bond servants aren't supposed to be servants. Sure. But they are supposed to be people-pleasers, right? Bonds- Pleasing to their masters? Well, what does it say exactly? Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye something. Eye service? Eye service as people pleasers, but. Mm. Yeah, so don't be people pleasers. Sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. That's interesting that they contrast sincerity with people pleasing. Because when you're pleasing other people, you're not necessarily being sincere. You're not being true to yourself, <laughs> as much as that's a ridiculous statement, but you know. Actually, um, going through my class at church, I was, I felt cheesy and how often it came up in my mind that um, being true to yourself literally is abiding with Christ and bearing fruit because that's what he created you to be and to do. So if you want to be true to yourself, abiding in Christ and bearing fruit is the best way to do that to be the true you <laughs> yeah it was just kind of amusing because like that 
phrase kept coming to mind maybe because i'm a disney channel generation but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, i'll be true to you <laughs> well you are god's creation right if you understand what your identity in christ is right yeah because that's what we should be striving to be more and more and remembering who we are okay so when mulan 2 sings be true to your heart that's uh, what they mean <laughs> i wish that's what they meant <laughs> maybe not <laughs> All right. Well, then let us move on to chapter 18. Who um, is the greatest? Sorry, what was that, Ruby? The last one. Okay. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? God. God yeah. is the greatest. God, God, so God, God, God. What, did, what, did you, what was your heading? The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So your guys is kind of overlap, and I just get all of it. Yeah, you merge everybody's together. Like that? You are. You must be the greatest. <laughs> just kidding. All right, so since this is your last section, Ruby, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Okay, uh, Rosella. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. Well, I've been ready for every single one except this one. Um, what does God want my life to look like to be more humble and teachable like the teachable children <laughs> the younger ones i'm very amused by your your answer here because you had just well after the whole greatest thing but then you had also just said you have been ready for every single one except for this one which is not true the second one that you did you got lost because you didn't turn your page so you weren't ready for that one either oh. so i thought it was <laughs> <laughs> you thought higher of yourself than you were. <laughs> this is why you need a humble. I guess yourself. I'm done reading ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna give me a bunch of that about reading ahead. On we're just trying to help you. About. We're just trying to help you. We're humbling you. We're humbling you. God yeah. is using us to yeah, humble that's you. Sure, that's what you're doing. All right, Rosella, what do you got for this? To turn away from sin, my sin. And where do you pull that from? Sort of looks like verse six. Oh, what does your section cover? What verses? It starts in chapter 18, goes from 1 to 6. Oh, 1 to 6. Okay, cool. Mine starts, 6 is in the, like, the next section for me, so it okay. threw me off a Mine little bit. Mine is 1 to 10. Mine's 1 to 9. Cool. Oh, jeez. We're all over the place on this one. Well, that's cool. Oh, so like 9 is definitely where my next section ends, so you just, Big Mama just has my two sections as one. Alright, I mean, you're not wrong, but I don't know if this is specifically telling us about turning from our sin. This is telling us to not cause others to sin, with the verse that you highlighted. The next section would make a lot of sense for that. Hmm. Yeah. Can you just read both of those in one day? If you read no. both of those in one day, then that could be... that would make sense. Okay. Well, while you look over those and see what your next notes are, let's move on to Jade Fire. Okay. Uh, who is the greatest... 18, 1 through 6, um, verse 18, what does God want your life to look like, um, to die rather than to cause other people to sin. So it's not good to cause other people to sin, is yeah. what you're saying. Yes. I don't know if that's what he wants your life to look like, is to die. I mean, it is better for you to die than to do this. I did write down, if you do not turn away from your sins, but if you tempt one to sin you should kill yourself instead 
<laughs> well, that definitely comes from this section. I don't know if that's the best interpretation of that section, but that is definitely from this section. <laughs> I mean, okay. That is essentially what he is saying. It just sounds so much harsher coming from little Rosella's sweet voice. But what he's saying just go is kill that yourself. it would be better. You are more useful dead not doing anything than causing others to sin. Yes. That is what he is saying. Okay. But he's not saying, oh, you're in danger of causing someone to sin. Better go off yourself. That is not what yeah. he's saying. He and is you saying, should be like looking at that and that be like, seriously. oh, I am doing something. So it would be better if I was dead if I did this thing. So maybe I should stop doing this thing. It's to show the severity of causing someone else to sin. Yeah. It's not a guide. <laughs> yes. It's not a guide to go just off yourself. Yeah. No, not at all. All right. So... I highlighted verses 2 through 4. He called the little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I, it was another example of how we should be humble, as Jesus has been showing by example with his own life. And and I kind of connected that back to the other section where he chose to not offend and pay the, the coin, right? Like, he remained humble through that because he, again, has that power that he could do whatever he really wanted. <laughs> but he remains humble to live at peace as much as it pertains to him. <laughs> and if he can do it and he has the true authority, then we should be able to humble ourselves since we don't really have that kind of authority. Big Mama? Um... I have a note, and then I also have more comments from before. With, like, it's better, you're better off dead than to cause others to sin. Mm. Um, being a example of the severity, not a command. <laughs> um, yes. And that, I think, applies to the further down in my section where it talks about it's better to cut off your hand than for your hand to cause you to sin. And again, it's not saying go chop up your body, because for most people... Your hand causes you to sin, your eyes cause you to sin, your mind causes you to sin, your mouth cause Like, you'd be very maimed before you stopped chopping off everything that causes you to sin, right? But it's saying... But it's saying that sometimes extreme measures are worth going to in order to prevent sin. Because sometimes it's like, well, this is a temptation here, but if I give that up, then look at all this other stuff I'd have to give up too. It's worth it to cut off points of temptation, even if it cuts off good, good stuff as well. Yes. So I think that's the main point here, not um, to kill yourself or. I think yourself. Um, a really good example that of that in like our culture, where cell phones are super prevalent, but they can also be definitely areas of sin for plenty of people in different ways whatever because you have so much access to things or it could be just a constant distraction that you are ignoring everybody else around you at all times right mm -hmm. some people complain about that and you can get more simple type of phones that will still work you can still get contacted with that are still mobile because that does become a, a thing that it's hard to function in the society without so like there are ways around it where you're not even having to give up because that's an excuse, right? Well, I need that because I can, how am I supposed to interview for jobs or whatever because they can't get a hold of me. And then, granted, there are more extreme ways you can go. Look at the Amish. <laughs> um, so you can still function without one. 
but even if you really need it for integrating with the world and bringing the gospel and all that stuff, you still can cut the other distractions away. And yes, that does mean losing out on certain easier features like accessing your email from your phone instead of having to go to a computer or whatever. And so it is harder. But it is worth it if you are sinning constantly with your device. Mm-hmm. So I just I think that's an interesting example that yeah. is relatable, probably. Well, that's why I'm pretty sure I talked to you about that when I closed down my Facebook account. Because it's yeah. like, it can be so useful to keep in touch with people we care about, to invite people to church stuff. Like, there's a lot of good that can come from it. But it was very stressful or something. I don't know. I don't remember all the details of how it was basically poisoning me, but it wasn't good for me to have an actual Facebook account. I have a fake Facebook account to do (laughs) marketplace and things that, like, you can only access through Facebook, but those are the only things I use it for because I know how detrimental it can be for me to actually have an online presence. Well, and originally you even cut, you didn't have that fake account either. You just had nothing. Yeah. For the longest time. And then you started accessing mine for certain things like Marketplace and stuff. And then you kind of moved on to having the fake one. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there were steps. You reintegrated what you could without, like, bringing into the, the sin part of it or whatever. Yep. Yeah. The yep. pitfalls. That's yep. very good. All right. My next section is six through nine, uh, which is causing to stumble. Mine is temptation to sin seven through nine. Temptations to sin, seven through nine. Yeah. Hey, that was just my comment off of his. I forgot to do mine. <laughs> oh, you didn't do yours? I didn't do mine on the oh. last section. Oh, oops. <laughs> um, so backtracking to who is the greatest. Um, and it's talking about uh, you have to humble yourself like a child, and one of the biggest things that I think children exemplify is their dependency on their caregiver. And that's Mm. what I think God really wants from us, because the more mature you are in Christ, the more you realize your dependence on him. And I mean, like, I get a little exhausted when our little sapling wants to hold on to me (laughs) 24-7. But but, um, God does not. He he wants that from us the way that a little child, because... Often when you see the pictures of little children in the Bible, they're like seven and eight years old. Um, In my experience, seven and eight-year-olds aren't incredibly humble and dependent. (laughs) Um, But you look at a little two-year-old, they are looking for mama, like a one and a two-year-old. They're looking for mama. They light up when daddy walks in. You know, they are very dependent on their parents and have a very low position. Like, if there's... Only a certain number of things, which kid is not going to get one and is going to be distracted and be like, oh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> the littlest one. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, I mean, he he has the most humble position in the family, but he also is the most dependent on mama and daddy and in some ways gets the best out of stuff as well because of that. So It's true. Yeah. Just my thoughts on no, that's really being good. really dependent. Yeah. And it's, and it's a struggle. Um because as we grow, we become more independent, right? Minded. Mm-hmm. And want to be our own person and not be under the authority of our parents. But, like, there's a reason why he tells us to obey our parents so that we can learn to obey him as we yeah. become adults, which are still children of him. In the physical realm, growing up means becoming more independent of your parents. But in the spiritual realm, growing up 
means becoming very dependent. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, I walk in the room, and he's like, Mama! And comes running over and wants me to hold him and to watch everything that I'm doing and to see what's involved and to join me in it and try to help. Yeah. And that's exactly what God wants from us. Yeah. It's a hard place to get my mind to be, but yes. <laughs> okay. Now I gave my... All right. So, causing to stumble. Um, is this... Is this your last section, Jadefire? Or you got more after this? I have one more. Okay. Rosella, why don't you start us off on this one? To cut any sin out of my life. Mm, if the eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. Right. And that means taking certain extreme measures. You don't necessarily have to gouge out your eye, but... <laughs> Cutting our friendships. Yeah, if the friendship is causing you to sin, then time to say goodbye to that friendship certain games or toys or activities or jobs yeah yep and that can be really scary to do like if you're sinning because of your job but your job is your livelihood that's how you pay for things or whatever granted god is the one who actually provides the key that is the key to remember so to like just quit a job because you are sinning in it and trying to find another one which is a lot of work that can be a scary concept and hard to do but it's what we're called to do to get away from sin right so it's a good note though yes all right, Jadefire. Mine is seven through nine. Uh, question, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to rather have no limbs than have sin. So, like, instead of having all your limbs and sin in your life, have no limbs and no sin. So does he literally mean he wants you to cut his arms up? Cut your arms No, 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 no. So what does he literally mean? That he wants to cut... Anything that makes you sin out of your life. I mean, we pretty much just covered this. Okay. Well, you said the figuratively again after we'd already covered this a couple of times. So I was like, um, (laughs) have you been paying attention? I have. And and here is a a tricky part, too, because I think it is easier in your mind to lose a limb than to lose other things. Because you've never lost a limb, so you don't know what it would be like to not have an arm or a leg or whatever. But, like... If you needed to cut out video games from your life because they're causing you to sin, would you be able to do that on your own? Uh, not on my own. Definitely not on my own. Then that's probably a problem, and you need to re-examine yourself on that one. Yes, I do, probably. Not probably. You do. All right. Uh, my note is verse 7. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Bad things will happen, but it's certainly not an excuse to do bad. There is heavy warning here for those that that bring about the bad. So we should be prepared to weather the storms of life, clinging to Jesus, and, I'd argue, to try to help those that might be caught in it as well. We certainly do not want to be tossing anyone in, however. So yeah, there's plenty of problems. People might cause problems. We should try to be helping people out of those problems where we're called to do so and people welcome the help because not everybody welcomes the help jade fire needs that note (laughs) because they're not always wanting to be free of their sin because they like it too much trying to help people who don't want help is it helpful no No. (laughs) um then it it could be hard especially as a parent because sometimes you many times your children don't necessarily want the help either to get out of that sin but you also have a responsibility to help guide them out of it. So trying to find that balance can be tricky. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, we should still be trying to help, but we definitely do not want to be the ones pushing them into that storm of bad things, right? We don't want them to stumble, because there's plenty of warning here about being that person. <laughs> so, that was my note. Alright, the next section for me is the parable of the wandering sheep, verses 10 through 14. The parable of the lost sheep, 10 through 14. The parable of the lost sheep, 10 through 13. 10 through 13. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Nope, 14. Oh, okay. I, I miscounted. Same. Same for you. All right. And this is your last section, Jadefire? Yes. All right. Why don't you start us off then? My cue is what does God... Oh, what can you learn about God? And that he rejoices over the repent... The people who repent rather than those who have... Or, I mean... Rather than those who have been repented for a while. I mean, he rejoiced when they did repent, but he wouldn't, like, keep a careful eye on them. Ah, dang it, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um... When you have been doing wrong, it is easy to assume that the person that you need to repent to is going to be a little bitter, a little angry, a little bit like, okay, but you have to prove yourself now, and then we might get along. But that's not how God reacts to us when we come back to him? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So he's instantly pleased when you come back. And it's not that he's not pleased if you've been there a while, but that joy is instantaneous and continues when you stay with him, obviously. Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I was just thinking in relation to, like, myself, like... In relation to my child, when they come to me after, you know, straying on something or whatever like that, I am more of the type of person to be like, okay, well, I'm still a little upset or like, hey, you need to do better, you know, so that I can see. And it's hard because like with God, he can also see the heart, right? He knows mm-hmm. when they're actually truly repented and stuff. I don't necessarily have that ability. So I try to be like welcoming and be like okay we're good we're you know situated but if they've proven themselves to go back over and over again it's much harder yeah so well the forgiveness aspect is with like giving away the right to retaliate Mm. or to hold it against them correct that does not mean that there will not be consequences that they need to work through sure and that's the exact same with god because like david he repented from um bathsheba and all of that, and God completely forgave him. His child still died. His sons still went crazy in the coming years because of his sin. He still had a lot of consequences to go through because of what he did. But was that because God was being spiteful and angry? No. No. So there's nothing wrong with there being consequences. And also, we don't always have instant control over our emotions. So can we tell ourselves you will not retaliate against this person for that? And yes, I'm still hurt and angry and frustrated, but I'm going to work through that, you know? The other person is not responsible for our emotions at that point. Right. And also, our emotions don't have to lead our will. Our will can lead our emotions. Yeah. And so we can determine, I will do God's will, even if my emotions are still angry and hurt. And... It's fine to acknowledge I am still angry and hurt, but I do forgive you and yeah. we'll work forward, you know? Sure, sure. So It's just, it can also yeah. be a little tricky too, because you mentioned like they're not responsible for emotions at that point, right? And like, 
as an adult, especially myself, that's really a lot easier to be like, okay, they're still really upset, um, even though I've done what I was supposed to do, and that's not on me. But as a child, under the authority of their parents and still learning these kinds of things, it's hard for them to not take that personally and yeah. know that it's not on them. So, like, trying to help teach them while at the same time you're still upset, <laughs> it's tricky. It's a tricky game here. Well, I think it's good for children to know that... Your actions can be forgiven, but they're still hurtful. Like, yeah. you might not have intended to do something. That doesn't mean you didn't hurt someone. Sure. And so I think it's good for people, for children, to, like anybody, but children to recognize that they can hurt people. They aren't exempt from that. Yeah. They might be little and whatever, but they aren't exempt from being responsible for being kind. Um, yeah, I fully agree with that. I actually got the... I had an interesting situation last night dealing with a couple of the children and mediating from some of the stuff going on, and I talked to both of them at the same time after talking to them individually, and there were some emotions that were brought up, and at least the other person had the opportunity to see the hurt and pain that they cause somewhat on a regular basis. So I thought that was a good opportunity, whether they've whether that sunk in or not, whatever. But like, it was just, yeah, so I definitely see the benefit of that. It's... I guess for me, I'm just, I'm trying to be the perfect parent here, and it's hard, <laughs> and I want to be a better parent. <laughs> it's also good for them to recognize that, and again, this goes for everyone, not just children, but I don't think children are exempt from it, that when you do apologize, you do try to soothe those emotions. You do try to help them to feel better, but sometimes that's just not going to happen. So you still respect that and are cautious and careful about those emotions, but you don't have to kill yourself to calm down those emotions. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is ultimately the emotive person's responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. My note is most of the section. Uh, well, no, maybe only half of it. I had two notes. One was an older note. Uh, so 13 and 14. And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in Heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. With the last passage about there be the that there will be stumbling blocks, like he specific, like I highlighted that part where it says there will be bad things that happen, right? Um, and they'll put be put in our way, or even just teachings and ideas, like because he's talking about those that cause us to stumble. So people that preach falsely. So there are plenty of things that are out there that can easily end up leading us astray. We like we'll tend to stray in one area or another, but it's super comforting to know that God will still come looking for us and call us back to him in those instances. Mm -hmm. So even though there are those people doing that thing, God is still out there looking for us and calling us back to him. So we don't have to be necessarily super fearful of all those false teachings and getting led astray because if we're listening, we'll hear him call us back in the right direction. It, I just, I found that very comforting concept. Yeah. Big Mama, did you have a note for the wandering sheep? Um, I don't know how, like, insightful this is, but this passage always makes me think of how, um, there's a saying that you're only as happy as your saddest child. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like, two of your kids could be having wonderful, like, mountaintop weeks, but But you're still seeking out isn't. their happiness for that other one. Yeah, but if one isn't, that's where you're emotive emotions are going to be is right trying to help that one 
Which is hard for you because you have plenty of children. So there's always a sad child around. <laughs> there's a lot of opportunity to be sad. I'm not sure if that's necessarily like a good thing. You should be seeking the welfare of all of your children, obviously. Yes. But it's exhausting to be emotionally attached to this many people. <laughs> sure. sure. But yeah, um, there's numerous uh, points throughout the Bible where God is described as a father and a father's love and like all of that sort of stuff. But there's also at least a handful of um, him being exemplified by mothers. And I feel like this is one of those in a sense. It could be a mom or a father. If somebody was literally lost, you would be hunting for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no question about that. Um, It's probably more the emotional side that I would relate to. um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's like in, in our particular situation, for sure. But there are plenty of opposite relationships yeah there's plenty of um opposites or not even necessarily opposites but maybe even both parents just being much more emotionally invested or whatever i i'm not one of those that have a lot of emotion personally but there are i know some out there so yeah like if one of our kids was sad as long as they were physically safe and found you'd be like okay we'll look it over (laughs) where i was i would be much more inclined to go and bring them back into the group emotionally yeah, and, and honestly, it depends on the sadness and where that sadness is coming from. I might still try to cheer them up or something, but I'm not necessarily going to be sad just because they're sad. If, if, like, I do a couple things and try to help them out, and then they're still going to wallow for whatever reason, I'm like, all right, well, go do that somewhere else. You're not bringing the party down. <laughs> I mean, if they're just, I've been there, too, though. They're just crying because they're tired. It's like, yeah. dude. Get some sleep. But in general, yeah, I would be more inclined to seek them out emotionally. Sure. All right, Rosella, what do you have for the wandering sheep or lost sheep or whatever? The parable of the lost sheep. I wrote that God will be so happy when you come to him and turn away from your sins. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Seems like you have a theme here. Like the last three sections were all about turning away from your sins. And this is the result of it. His happiness. His joy. Like you had a whole arc of the last three sections about turning away from sin. <laughs> and it's good because then now you see the the result of it too. It's good to see that there is, like, a reward for it, I guess, in a way. Like, like, there is reason to do it. Like, it's not like, hey, if you turn away from your sin, well, you just get smacked in the face. Well, why would I turn from my sin then at that rate, right? But you know that he will be so glad and happy. And you do not want to spend eternity in hell. Nope. Suffering. Nope. You would rather be with God happy instead of hell. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we haven't tackled Revelation in a while, but, like... Uh, I mean, that's the conclusion. It talks about there will be no more tears, right? So, no more sadness, no more death. It'll all be very nice. Well, let me do my last section here, then. Uh, dealing with sin in the church, verses 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you. All right, so my highlight comes from pretty early on in this section, uh, verse 16. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If things progress to this stage, it is important to be prepared to accept that you might be wrong. Like, it doesn't talk about that part of it, Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's important to recognize that you might not be the one in the right when you're coming to your brother to talk about their sin. But this is also a means of protection, so that there is less of a chance that lies about the meeting can be spread and believed by bringing more people in, right? But not a bunch, because you don't want to make a big old thing. So it can also help to keep everyone in check from falling into sin themselves during the confrontation. Because after one-on-one, and you've tried, and maybe you even sinned in that 
confrontation already. But now that you're bringing other people, now you have other people to help, like, mediate the situation so you're not just shouting at each other or getting angry or whatever. Ideally, it is taken care of one-on-one. Like, the person who sinned and the person who sinned against or whatever, like, you just take care of it, get it done. That's the ideal situation, but often that doesn't go well, unfortunately. Because <laughs> there's no need to create a, a shaming spectacle of the situation. Mm-hmm. But because that isn't always enough, this is the next best thing before having to bring it to the whole... bringing the whole church into it. Because when the more... because the more public it starts, it can also cause one to become hard to the correction, as they view it as being ganged up on... And or that they fall into a, now everyone thinks I'm a terrible person, so there's no hope for me sort of mentality. In my limited understanding of creation, I definitely see a lot of wisdom to this approach. I mean, Jesus said it, so of course it's wisdom. But like, yeah, so it's just this idea like, you don't want to bring it to the public first, because then you're just, they're not going to listen. Now, if you've gone one-on-one, you've got a couple other people going in, and then you bring it to the church, and they're still not listening. That's all on them at that point, right? You don't want to make them feel ganged up on and shamed, right? That's why you start with the one-on-one, even though that doesn't usually work. <laughs> Many people would even say, well, it always fails when I just do one-on-one. Like, they don't listen to just one person. But that's not true. Well, it's not always. But most of the time, I would I would argue it's most of the time, from my experiences with people. <laughs> and so you need those a couple other people in there. Now, they still don't always listen, but... I don't know if most of the time would be accurate, but the times when it doesn't work probably stand out and are more memorable. <laughs> that could be very true, actually. I could be misrepresenting that completely. I would say a lot of the time it's like, oh my gosh, I completely misunderstood. I am so sorry. Let's just move forward. That's actually a really good point, you know? because when it is like that, then it's like, because a lot of times it is just a misunderstanding situation, right? Like, oh, I didn't realize I did that. And so it becomes not a big deal, so it does fade, because it just isn't a big deal. Yeah, it completely just fades away, where it could have been like, ooh, they were mean, and and it's like, okay, no, you just misunderstood, you know? But if you recognize, hey, is this what you meant? Um, Hopefully. Hopefully, they're willing to discuss the misunderstanding, but that does not always happen. That's true, unfortunately. (laughs) All right, did you have a note for that section? Big Mama. I, I don't necessarily. Okay. Um, I kind of am just like pondering, like what? Because if you brought every single sin against you through this, I mean, you'd be exhausting your entire church family, you know? <laughs> so at what point do you just let it go? And at what point do you actually follow all three of these steps? Sure. You know, because sometimes it gets to step two and then it just kind of ends there. Um. Yeah. It's also a little harder in the way that our culture works, too, because anybody can just move off to another church then. Yeah. To it scratch those ears that they want scratched. So Yeah, and it's difficult with, with different churches because some people get really entrenched in this is my church, kind of that I follow Apollos and I follow right. Paul, and I'm not going to listen to your leaders and... Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's hard to enact with Christians who don't go to the same church as you or same Bible study or something where you have a structure together. Um, we're sadly lacking the opportunity to do this with those Christians. Yeah. I know my mom asked one time, she was like, well, this person's a Christian, so should I be taking them to court when she uh, had a very good reason to be? <laughs> um, and it's like, well... You don't have to, but you could go to their church and talk to them. Like, 
would they respond well to that? And mom's like, probably not. They haven't been to their church in six months. I'm like, okay, so they're not actually True. behaving as a Christian brother in any sense of the word. So, right. you know. Yeah, it gets, yeah, it's very different in our makeup of. Yeah. Our independent culture is yeah. difficult to yeah. navigate right. this in. So, Rosella, what do you have for dealing with sin in the church or uh, a brother in sin or whatever? If your brother sins against you. Okay, what do you got? To repent of your sins. Okay. I mean, you should. You don't want to have it dragged out in front of the whole church because you're unwilling to repent. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. So when somebody comes to you and be like, hey, you're doing this thing that you shouldn't be doing, you should be ready to listen and accept that. Now, you want to be wise about it, too, and be like checking it with God and be like, actually, I didn't sin here, <laughs> if that's true that you didn't sin here. But you need to be ready to accept that it's possible that you did. And there is so much freedom in that. Like, oh, I messed up. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Being able to do that means that you're... Like, I don't, don't take this the wrong way. You're basically free to mess up unlimitedly if you are also <laughs> willing to submit and humble yourself unlimitedly. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but having that humble posture kind of keeps you from sin and also frees you from worrying about it as much because you're like, Ugh, if I do mess up in my own stupidity again, I can apologize again Absolutely. and keep moving forward. So yeah. I know that's been a freeing thought for me recently. Yeah, that's good. All right. So then, Rosella, you have two more sections. One of them is, what, the parable of the unmerciful servant? The parable of the unforgiving servant. All right, what you got? Treat others how you want to be treated. Yeah, and treat others how God has treated you, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, we've gotten into this discussion before where it's like, treat others how you want to be treated isn't treat others how they treated you. You don't get, that doesn't give you the excuse to retaliate, right? You're just supposed to treat them how you want to be treated, not how they've treated you. But you do want to treat people the way that God has treated you. So, like, say somebody has hit you. Do not just hit them back because it's treat others how you want to be treated. But instead, like, if you have a cookie, you can split it and share with them. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe they'll split a cookie and share with you eventually. There's a better chance of it. Or do something nice or not hit you next time. Maybe they just need to chop off their hands since it's causing them to sin. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> or tape up your hand. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rosella, your next section, I'm guessing, is the beginning of chapter 19. Yeah. Divorce? Teaching about divorce. All right. What's your note for divorce? Let's see. Should we do it? No. no. What I wrote is if you divorce, you disobey one of the Ten Commandments, which you do not want to do that, because those are God's commandments. Yeah. And do not commit adultery. Very true. You don't want to do that. Because that that, that's the commandment. And all the Ten Commandments fall into two commandments, love God and love others, right? Which one does this fall under? Yeah, it does. Good job. (laughs) Well, good notes, everybody. Uh, Thank you for sharing. What are your applications? Wait. Oh, right. Applications. Before applications. What was was our last week's applications? applications. We're looking at you. Anybody remember? 
No, that's why I was just about to say we're looking at you. Well, we had a week break too for Thanksgiving. Granted, this episode you guys are listening to probably doesn't you won't be listening to until after Christmas. But all right, Rosella, work on patience. How's that going? Can you recall any impatient or patient moments you've had? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't really think of much either way. You haven't been impatient, and there's always pe- waiting on people around here. <laughs> so therefore she has been patient. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, it's, it can be really hard to see patience when it's actually being applied sometimes. Mm-hmm. You often are more readily able to see when people are being impatient. I remember mine, where I looked it up. <laughs> What's no yours? I need to think before I say Yep, I wrote down to be careful about what you say and not to reply harshly. How's that been going? Hmm. I can't think of when I've replied harshly. I don't think of any times. I don't. I don't know when I've replied pa- nicely either. But I've definitely not replied when I maybe shouldn't have or when it would not be a good reply. Oh, like stop yourself from replying when it's not a good idea to do so. That's good. It would keep an argument going, but people are just going on and on. Jade Fire, keeping your temper and your tone in check. Uh, we'll just skip me for this week. So you're saying it's not going well? <laughs> yes. What about the last times not fearing missing out? Has that been improved? I think it's been improved. Okay. Just not it's great. It's still there. Yeah, it's still there. And then before that, listening and obeying. But can you do it on your own? No. So turn to God more often. He'll help you. All right, old man. Yeah, what do I got? Giving thanks before the miracle, focusing on what God wants, and not trying to explain how he's wrong and we know better. Hmm. (laughs) That's your reaction. Did I not transcribe that well? Well, I don't know. Uh, It was just, it uh, took me, uh, it threw me off a little bit the way at least the beginning was worded. I was trying to think of what that meant. Giving um, thanks before the miracle. He thanked God for the bread and the fish before they were multiplied. Sure. No, I, I, I get where it comes from. I just trying to remember exactly what I meant by that. Um, probably just when I'm asking for like a miraculous thing or something, probably. Hmm. Or not even necessarily like we would even consider miraculous, maybe. Yeah, I probably... I could probably be working on that better. Um, I was in a lot of discomfort the last couple of days, and I definitely... When I wasn't like falling asleep, because I also did not get very much sleep, tried to pray for the um, illness to go away, but I wasn't necessarily very thankful in those situations or, um, for my trials or for the fact that he does take care of me even while this is all going on, or even for the little things where it's like, hey, I was still able to make it to work and did not, you know, pass out or... You know, Yay. anything like that, right? You um, know, little things. Didn't pass out for driving and die or anything. Well, I didn't even mean driving, but just like... Didn't break your nose this time. Did not break my nose this time. <laughs> Wait, I broke your nose one time? Last time I felt like this, yes. The last yeah. time I passed out, I fell <laughs> face first on the floor. It just got kind of bloody. No, oh, I'm pretty sure it's broken right here. There's still a ridge here. It's still broken? Well, it healed, but like it healed incorrectly because it was a jar. Because you didn't go to the hospital? Well, I didn't do anything to fix it right seriously it's fine you broke a bone and you didn't go to a hospital and you say it's fine have you met your daddy it's fine i just broke my nose um so yeah uh so yeah there's there could be some work there um 
But, uh, so yeah, maybe maybe not super strong at the moment in following that regard. Uh, as far as, like, explaining things or thinking I know better or whatever, I don't think I've necessarily fallen into that trap since the last recording. So that's good. I don't know if I've had a lot of opportunity to do so, so it might not be, like, me succeeding. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think I've... I don't think I've gotten into that this time around. Mine's kind of similar. My application was shifting my focus to what is good and the freedom I have to always honor God. Um, uh, yeah, the freedom I have to always honor God, like, nobody's really challenged my freedom, really, in the last couple of weeks. I could work on that. Thanks, babe. I've been pretty free to do as I please, <laughs> as usual. Um, but... The shifting my focus to what is good actually, I think, has been going really well. Um, honestly, sitting down and going through all of this is bringing up some of the stuff where I'm like, oh yeah, that, that situation. Oh yeah, that's yeah, okay. yeah. And so I'm kind of like, it's almost dredging back up the stuff that's not so perfect in life right now to go through these verses, unfortunately. <laughs> but in general, throughout my day today, I am pretty focused on everything that's going good. That's good. The, the hardest thing to uh, not get caught in a downward spiral is when I'm just, like, super tired and not feeling good and I have a baby kicking in my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's the biggest thing that's, like, bringing me down is just... Yeah. And that's a really good... Right now. That is a good example of where people, like, do fall into that trap, too, because you hear plenty of people that are pregnant especially later on in the pregnancy where it's just super uncomfortable and hard to do anything complain about it a lot they're focused on it and i mean i i understand you got something inside of you that is constantly bugging you right like you understand? not to the fullest extent but like so it's a constant thing so you're going to think about it often but to like shift your mind onto what's good about it as opposed to like how hard it is or other things outside of you that are good during it that's, I mean, that's a benefit because that will make everything better, right? Yeah. But I can understand why that could be super hard. Well, I think even just doing hypno babies with like the joyful pregnancy affirmations. Sure. You know, it sounds so woo and like new agey. <laughs> yeah. But it's, there's truth to it. Like, my baby is safe inside of me. I am safe. Like, just simple things like that. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay. You know, it doesn't, it's not very dramatic. But I do hate it when people are like, how are you feeling? I'm oh, like, please don't ask me. <laughs> just don't ask me how I'm feeling. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Let's move along. <laughs> Life is very blessed, even if I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to that effect, like, I just, I wasn't necessarily focused on, despite it taking up a lot of my energy and everything, on my illness the last couple of days. But, like, you come in and ask, well, how are you doing? When obviously I'm not doing well. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like crap. And, I mean, I did. That was just a factual statement. It wasn't necessarily like moaning about it or whatever. I'm just like, no, I'm pretty miserable right now. Okay, that's that's where we're at. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it'll be better soon. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should just say, is there anything I can do for you? Sure, that's sure, sure. That's more what I was like trying to. Well, and I understood that. Like, I wasn't upset by whatever you said. So, all right. So, applications this week. Mine. I'm gonna start before I forget again because I had it and then I lost it. Is uh, it came up during our, I think, discussion about, like, parenting and things like that. And just trying to be, not hold on to, like, a grudge or bitterness, right? Like, tr finding that balance of, like, yes, there are consequences. You do need to 
like I do need to be aware that you could be lying to me or whatever is going on like any habits that might still continue so I need to be aware of that but at the same time you've been forgiven we're moving past this we're not going to just jump into like you know a huge consequence all over again just because you've you know slipped up again mm-hmm. right um and I think overall so far in certain aspects of that I am doing better like I was certainly tempted to just be like that's it we're done <laughs> But yeah, I just, I don't want to be harsh, which I know I have been at times already. And should people come and apologize and things on their own and seek that forgiveness to be joyful over it and everything. Like, there are still going to be hurt feelings, and that's fine. And it may even be better explaining that, as you did. Mm. Which is why I'm kind of glad these three kids at least are here to hear all that conversation, because they at least know where our mind's at, right? So yeah, that's that's my application. Is anybody else wanting to go next? Okay. Go ahead. Um, my application is to be more humble like the teachable children. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that was good. Rosella. Can you fire go? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. What? Well, it was like the application that you had from, like, you said that should be... Okay, you had keeping temper and tone in check and not fearing missing out and listening and obeying. No, 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 Like, earlier in the podcast, we were oh. talking about something, and you said that should be my application. Oh, I do remember that being said. All right, well, while you think about it. I have, uh, like, really practical one, and then, like, a uh, more spiritual one. <laughs> my practical one is to be reading my Bible more consistently again, whereas I'm keeping up on all of my Bible studies. It's more like, oh, that's tomorrow. Better get this done. So you're doing a lot um, of catching up to... Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's not been as sprinkled in. Um, honestly, probably just because my class wrapped up, and so I'm like, oh, finally, I don't have to do that. Like, you know... I understand the mentality, for A big sure. lump of my study has been removed, so I'm just like, oh, kind of on summer break, mentally. Yep. But... I do enjoy when I actually sit down and take time to read my Bible. Um, So, getting back into that habit again after a lazy week. Um, So that's my more practical one. And then also, I know that my tone has been cranky lately. (laughs) And I don't like hearing that around the house, not even from myself. So trying to have a softer tone which some children don't respond unless it's harsh and it's kind of dry. It makes it harder to keep the softer tone. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. And like, I need to speak softly. I know there was at least, stick. yeah, I know there was at least one day where your tone seemed like, and you even admitted early on in the day that you were just having a tough time that day. You know, so it was like, I was prepared for it, which was helpful because then like, I did a lot of effort on my end to talk nicely and like, in situations like especially if you were off to go do something after there was some harsh things and i mean like i wouldn't i wasn't talking bad about you or talking even about you but like, like i tried Mom to was crazy today I'm i just sorry. tried to counter it and like sometimes even reiterate what you said but in a different way which i'm sure you've done to, with me before and <laughs> see so because i can Ruby's be nodding yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like um so so like i tried to like fulfill that role but then by the end of the day I was somewhat affected by the tone, too, and I started getting irritable and stuff, you know? Um, and I'm not blaming you by any means. I'm just like... Was that that really horrible day when, like, the wash machine wasn't working? It could have like, been. Oh, It could have been. I don't remember what day I eventually it was. just went to our room bawling because it was just, like, it was such a bad day. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be really hard if any either of us have that tone. I know it really shifts both of us 
Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's good that we both always need to be on guard for that. <laughs> so, yes, softer tone and regular Bible reading. Yeah. Not yeah. just large chunks. Sure. <laughs> All right, Rosella. Okay. Um, okay, so not always, like, making it have to be my way, like, mm. letting other people's ways go. Sure. I think for you specifically, because you do get caught up in that, I've seen that, but I think part of that is you bottle it up because sometimes you just go with the flow a lot and you don't like it, and so then you kind of harshly push your way. So you need to find that balance where it's like, okay, you need to speak up sometimes when other people are doing things, but not like enforce your way. Like you can go with it, you know, but at least get, be heard so that you don't get harsh later. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. So That's called passive aggressive and you're already becoming well versed in it. <laughs> but you come by it honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're not the only one around here that does that kind of thing. I'm just, I'm, that's why I can know how it's coming, how it works. And so I'm just trying to help you. One thing that helped me was um, like an example from a book where it said that God loves a cheerful giver, and if you're not cheerful in giving up your right to something, that does that doesn't actually honor God. <laughs> you can speak up and say, "Hey, I'm not okay with you doing that." There was actually okay. there was actually a lot of times my brother would bottle things up too, and like I would do all kinds of things to him that would frustrate him or hurt, like upset him, whatever, and like. I didn't even know what I was doing or was so bad because he just took it in stride until eventually he explodes and breaks something on me. Um, and this happened like periodically in our growing up. He broke something? Oh, on more, more than once. Um, there was one time it was a giant G.I. Joe doll and the other one was like a chair um, that he smacked me with because it just, I pushed him to the limit. He'd been bottling it up for so long that he exploded. Yeah, it's, it's not a very healthy thing because the other people don't even know that they're doing these things to you then because you don't express yourself in those situations. You know what I mean? But it's hard. Oh, I know. I know it is. I just, I, and like, I don't expect you to be perfect at this, okay? Like, it's fine. You're young. But we're just trying to guide you. In it. And I'm explaining, like, how that gets perceived by others so you can understand what you, like, why it's important for you to learn it. Okay? okay. So you're saying you're perfect at it? No. But you said she's not perfect yet, and she's yelling. My application is probably going to be, like, the same as Rosella's. Insisting on your own way? Yeah. And you just do that on a constant basis. Yes. It's not It's not the it's same not, way she does no, it. No, no. Which it's... is part of the reason that bottles it up for her, because mm -hmm. she tries to appease you because she likes to be liked. Mm -hmm. Those are my problem. I like to be liked, but I can't always be liked by everybody. Nope, you can't. You cannot please everybody. It's impossible. And mom's struggled with that for many years, so. Yeah, she, told, right. she talked to yeah. me about it. All right, it was supposed to be a big mama's turn to pray, um, so. But she had to run. I will pray this week. Okay. Yay. Yeah, big mama had to do some stuff. All right. Dear God, thank you so much for this day and for the, uh, just this opportunity just for us all to discuss your word and just our lives in general so that we can share these things and so that even my children can see our flaws and where we're trying to work on things and grow. And that we're not perfect, and we don't think we are. Um, and we do recognize our faults and how we do frustrate our own children sometimes. But uh, just help us to all recognize how we hurt one another by our actions. And help us to all have like be listening to what people have said so that we don't insist on our way. Don't push people because they are easily pushed and not realizing what we're doing in and how they are bottling things up and and to be humble enough to accept 
rebuke and change and to also just be kind in our tones with one another, be gentle, and and to see the good in things, to look at the positives, to remember that a lot of these things that we get all hung up on don't even matter in the long run. So just help us to live at peace with one another as far as it depends on us. And just to bless the rest of our evening um, and uh, our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen! To pet a chihuahua. She thought I was miming petting a chihuahua <laughs> instead of like pointing at my Bible and reading it. You knew what I was talking about though, Ruby. Pet a chihuahua. Pet a chihuahua. I just pet a chihuahua. That's what God said. Don't go away, chihuahua. Alright. Wait, what's um, a chihuahua? It's a oh, type of dog. Chihuahua. 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 It's, it's the Something word. Something like Mexican. Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Cranky little things. Um, like those cranky old things. <laughs> Alright. Soft tones. Low tones. <laughs> I love being told to have low tones. <laughs>